What's up, everybody? You have tuned in to Gaming Vessels. Uh, this is the first episode in what I hope to be is going to be a long running, <laughs> long running show. My name is Kevin, aka Shonuff71. I am here with two other hosts. In the digital studio with me is the Bay Area Terra. Des, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you everybody for uh, for tuning in and listening to uh, to our uh, first episode ever. I'm really excited for this, and I'm really excited to uh, share my knowledge with the group and talk about video games. Oh yes, yes, most definitely. And also in the house, can I call you the original cheap ass gamer without us getting sued? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think TPD is going to sue anyone. He's OG, this one. He's OG, yeah. Uh, the uh, the food max of gaming deals, uh, my homie Trader Joe, a.k.a. Joe. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Back in full effect. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's 1993. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm so grateful to get this show started because we've been talking about this for a while and Kevin's been off uh, our prior podcast. I'm still on it, though. Gamer Husbands Radio. So. Yes, yes. And just because of uh, schedule conflicts and that kind of crap, you know, and so it's good to kind of get the savoir faire back, you know, the the, the the little linguistic back and forth. <laughs> least that I could talk about PlayStation games again. All right. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it's yeah. <laughs> it's not that it's not that we couldn't. It's not that we couldn't before. And, and by the way, oh, folks, I know you are. If you are obviously you're tuning into this for the first time, um, if our names or voices are unfamiliar. Uh, both uh, Trader Joe and myself came from the Gamer Husbands podcast, which is well on its way to its 500th episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, kind of before we we get um, we get things rolling, I kind of wanted to jump into kind of an introductory discussion about kind of a little bit about our backgrounds and from where we from where we came from and how we decided to try and put this thing called gaming vessels together as i mentioned before uh, both joe and i came from uh, gamer husbands radio that was my first experience in actually being part of a podcast special thank you goes out to alfred uh, sam aka ghr superman uh, Alan, also known as uh, Bumblebee19, and Scott, uh, aka T Talks, they were the original creators of Gamer Husbands Radio from back in the day. The uh, current staff of the show consists of Trader Joe, Dragon59, and Sam, the uh, the uh, one of the original hosts of the show, and uh, Lefty Brown, where you can also find him on the Married Gamers and the, and the You Lose podcast. So special thank you for the uh, originators and the current crew that uh, I was a part of for kind of allowing me to get my podcast chops broken yeah. in a little bit. Mine um, too, mine too. Yes, absolutely. Joe, was this, this is, uh, GHR was your first podcast as well, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 I was not in any prior recordings or anything as far as gaming goes. So, 
Okay. So we wanted to give a special thank you for those guys. Um, the reason I'm not a part of the show anymore and is because of work constraints. I work in the judicial field, and uh, we have we had some information come to us letting us know that there's going to be periods of mandatory overtime so because two of the hosts are on the east coast and uh, myself and joe broadcast from the west coast by the time i would get home it would be about 11 30 before we could even get the gig started so yeah you know, and so kind of had to kind of had to let, let let that go but um uh, Des, why don't you uh, let us know where your podcast background originated from? Because I know you're part of a couple other things, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I've been um, been doing podcasting for about three years now on another podcast that I co-host uh, called The Geek Chat. And it is a comic book uh, podcast. I've been doing it for three years uh, because uh, aside from video games, I, I absolutely love comic books and have loved comic books. Uh, about the, about as long, if not longer, uh, than than video games. So you can uh, check out those um, those uh, episodes on SoundCloud as well under the Geek Chat. We also have a Facebook group, the Geek Chat, as well. So you can go in there and chat with us. Um, also been on a couple other podcasts, um, uh, uh, the Trouble Podcast, which was a um, uh, five minutes of trouble. Sorry, it was a it was a podcast I I was a special guest on, uh, which was uh, you know those movie minute podcasts where they basically take a minute of a movie and then they break it down for like an hour. Well, I was on one of those, but it was five minutes of Big Trouble in Little China, so it was fantastic. Um, and then I've also done a couple other podcasts with my friend Jason Nevermind, who does the the Creepy Pasta podcast, which is a uh, we we basically riff on uh, creepy pasta stories. So I've I've been doing I've been doing this stuff for for a while. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit, and um, yeah, whatever whatever gives you an outlet to be able to share knowledge is is great by me. So, so yeah, awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Um, well, now that this is, I guess if we were a, if we were a, the uh, zo- if this was the zombie apocalypse, we would be patient zero, since this is <laughs> the first. <Yep. laughs> this is the first episode. I kind of wanted to um, kind of introduce uh, to our listeners, you know, why gaming vessels, and uh, you guys jump in uh, as as you feel as as you as you feel appropriate as to you know, why we're doing this. Uh, for me personally, gaming has been kind of like the cornerstone of my social life. Every relationship outside of my marriage has been forged under the umbrella of video games. Um, every friend that I still associate with, anything that that's not, you know, work-related or, like I said, my marriage... <laughs> Which is which is kind of kind of odd in, in in and of itself, but uh, has been under you know this the glue has been has been gaming. There is just I, I kind of wanted to be on a show or or kind of jump onto a a, a vessel. Hey, you see that? Uh, that cha ching, Yeah, you see that? Yeah, you see Woo. what I did there? You see Love what I did that there? play on words. <laughs> That would be kind of like a hub that would 
introduce people to different aspects of gaming. Um, if you've heard me before on Gamer Husbands, I'm very much into Japanese games. Well, Japanese games is such a vague, uh, uh, large description now because so many of the games that are released here in the States are Japanese, but yeah, meaning the games that have a strong cultural representation from Asia. Let, let's just, let's just call it, let's just say that, you know, Muso titles, JRPGs, uh, that type of thing. I wanted to be, I want to have a show where some of those titles that don't get a whole lot of shine publicly in the, either in the mainstream gaming news or, you know, those big mainstream blogs where they, we can kind of sort of highlight. And I think you can also throw uh, indie titles into that, uh, into that soup as well. And just kind of maybe be like a, a, a means of introducing the gaming public in general to maybe some of those titles that, you know, they either never heard of or uh, types of games that, you know, they might have, you know, heard the term before, but it really didn't interest them. But just kind of introduce to folks, and not 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 that me or I'll just speak for myself. Not that I'm an expert, you know, on on this by any means. You know, like I, you're not going to see me playing a, a a JRPG in in Japanese because I cannot read kanji or any of the other <laughs> languages like that. But uh, just kind of introduce folks to different there there's more to gaming than halo call of duty and gears not that there's anything wrong with that because <laughs> i think yeah. between all of you're all going to be spending thousands of hours in destiny 2 i can i can let's just put that out right now yep <laughs> <laughs> but just just to introduce folks to a different aspect of gaming that's the first thing and number two I wanted to have a uh, a vessel uh, <laughs> to, to where we can we can be a hub of getting people to not only have the opportunity to play with us because you know gaming has become very social. This is also kind of a thing that I'm working on just for my you know for me personally. I'm kind of a you know mostly an introverted person. And gaming has always been a solitary thing for me. Uh, I jumped in. I'm an old dude. So I jumped in on the onset of this hobby, you know, in television, Atari, VCS, Odyssey 1, Odyssey 2. And there was no such thing as online gaming. There was no... The closest thing you had to online gaming was going to the arcade and, you know, putting your quarter up. For Street Fighter 2, but uh, I wanted to pre have a means of getting people together to not only play with us, but also play with others and, you know, using that context of games that maybe they haven't, they, they haven't given too much uh, credit or, or thought about and just kind of like saying, hey, we, we're bringing all these different aspects of gaming together and let's all explore them together. Is, is, it, is any of that making, is any of that making sense? Yeah, I think it makes uh, total sense, you know, okay. You know, trying to foster a sense of community with, with this kind of, 
new technology at the time. Um, it was a way, it, it was a new type of social interaction that, that was bright and colorful and, and, and actually opened up, you know, your eyes and my eyes and Joe's eyes to like a whole nother world, you know? Uh, and, and it was, it was awesome because like a lot of that stuff was, was from Japan and, and, you know, or, or for, or for some other place, you know, not America. So, or somewhere, somewhere from America, that's true too. But, um, it, it was just this new experience and, and playing these, you know, pixelated games and stuff. I remember when the, sh- the, the, the fighting genre started to come out and you saw, you saw like Fatal Fury in the arcades and Street Fighter with those giant pads that you'd have to punch and do stuff with, you know, I remember all that. And I was just like, this is so cool. And, you know, so and, and arcades, uh, it, it makes total arcades sense. were like key, man. Arcades oh, were key man. back in the day. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's the era I came from. I mean, I'm talking about like you know, in 1982, you know, all throughout the you know years. I mean, going to arcades was like you know, it was my Friday night. You know, it was like you know, you know, getting out there, meeting people. I met you, Desmond, at an arcade for yep. God's sake, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I met you through someone from work. I think John Jacobs, right, Kevin? But otherwise, I mean, we yeah, hit it off right away with the, our whole gaming and whatnot, you know. And so it's just gaming is kind of that lifeblood that has created like you know lifelong friendships for me. And uh, you know, it's just awesome that now you know, at least in the last five, ten years, you know, podcasts are now a thing, and I can communicate with others out there. You know, because otherwise, you know, I, I like to game by myself, too, like you, Kevin. I mean, I thought gaming was more of a solitary thing, but I'm warmed up ever since, you know, Fantasy Star Online to be able to play online with people and to kind of get into the the mode of um, it being more of a social thing. So, right. Yeah, that, was, that, that was pretty different for me, though, because, I mean, I, I've always, you know, loved to play with other people. Um, I was going to arcades with my friends because it was just that that social interaction of being outside of the house. I mean, yeah, I had a, I had a classic or a, a NES and I had a, a Sega Genesis and stuff, but I, I usually played it with friends. Like, like if, if their friends weren't around, I generally didn't play it. It wasn't until uh, later. It, I didn't start playing games um, like uh, by myself until you know, the, the, the really big JRP started coming out. And once once RPGs and I started really getting into those is when I started playing a lot more by myself because those are single-player experiences. So uh, Final Fantasy VII, when that hit, you know, that was one of the first... I mean, I had played uh, Dragon Quest One or the uh, Dragon Warrior. I think it's what, that's what it was called when it, was, when it came to America first. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. So I played that, but you know, I it just never really, um, never really grabbed me like, like side-scrolling shooters. Like I, I was a shooter first, a shooter fan first and foremost, and 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 a fighting game enthusiast, you know, first and foremost. So it wasn't until, you know, roughly Final Fantasy VII, a little bit Final Fantasy III too. So I had friends that played that, but it was Final Fantasy VII that really kind of like opened my eyes to uh, the RP RPG. Um, genre um and then and then after that i kind of fell in love with that genre and i was just like okay and so that's when i started playing a lot more at home on my console um mm-hmm. yeah okay des got, got i gotta ask you a quick question sure 
Street Fighter as as taken as a whole versus Fatal Fury taken as a whole. Which you prefer? Uh, Fatal Fury. I, oh, I, my I, man. I, my I, man. I, that was the first <laughs> game. Um, that was the first fighting game I really actually played. Not really, it was Fatal Fury. I want to say Fatal Fury Two Real Bout. Um, yes, was the one that I really started playing hardcore. Like I played the first one in the arcades. And it was and it was great. I, I, I thought the, 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 the changing the um the lanes of combat from being able to jump to the foreground to the background, I that, that was that was kind of like what's going on, you know, for me. But it was that mm-hmm. it was Fatal Fury to real bout. That was the one that kinda like solidified, you know, and, and playing Andy and Terry and Mai and all them that really just kinda like, you know, solidified that I like fighting games. I play fighting games. This is what I <laughs> This is what I do, and that just—I remember and learning how to roll that joystick and the Hadouken, and I was very happy that they were that all of those all of those games kind of used the same mechanics because like if you knew how to if you knew how to throw a Hadouken, you know you could pretty much play any other fighting game. You know? <laughs> Once I learned that, I was like, I'm golden, you know. <laughs> yeah, for me, between the two, Street Fighter Two, man, uh, Fatal Fury, I barely paid attention to when I remember when it came out. So I thought it was a cool game. I thought it was a good game. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the original Street Fighter because I believe didn't Fatal Fury come out like just a shade before Street Fighter Two, I think, yes, right? Yes, it, it did. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like for me, it was it was I didn't like the first one because I remember going to Neon. Uh, Neon. Um, what was that one? Oh, it was over by that festival. Best. Yeah, yeah, festival. Yeah. So yeah, if, festival if you don't know, Dallas, yeah. we were we we all just a little backstory. We all grew up, you know, in the same Central Valley town. So there was a certain arcades that we would all go to, and there was always those couple ones that had the really cool, super cool um, video games, and that was one of them. And I remember just playing, or 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 the one that won a video arcade that was by Yoshino's. Remember that one? Uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, of that's it. festival. That's yeah, festival. that's festival. And then and then the other one that was by the best. <laughs> remember that one. Cosmic Empire. Cosmic yeah. Empire. Yeah, yes. I remember that one too, and Neon, all that. But I remember, but I remember not liking Street Fighter, only because um, those big buttons suck. The big buttons, number things. one, but number two, everyone and their mother played Street Fighter two. I'm sorry, that 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 game for me was just over. Like for me, it was just overplayed in the arcades, and I'd always get my ass kicked. I just could, I just could not do it. I just couldn't do it. And, Fatal Fury just just I was able to play that game and actually learn on it because Street Fighter Two if you didn't know what you were doing you'd get your ass whooped and that was just a wasted quarter right there my friend. Mm. <laughs> yes, those were yes, the days. Yeah, that, that was awesome, man. Just I, I've 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 been on the record. Uh, Mark of the Wolves is still in in my book the best fighting game I've ever played, uh, even to this day, and I'm still. Hoping, hoping, and praying that there will be a sequel or a HD remake of uh, of that title. But I'm I'm right I'm right there with you, Des. Fatal Fury, uh, beginning with for me it was Fatal Fury Two. Being able to actually study a player and and learn the mechanics, you know, even against the computer, because for me they had Fatal Fury Two at at uh, Festival uh, Game Palace. And the difficulty level wasn't set all that high. I, you know, I, you, I, 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 you know, I'd have to spend more than one token to finish the game. You know, get all the way to geese and beat him. But uh, two was the first time I was able to really kind of get into a character. And my dude was Kim, and 
try to uh, and get a, a better understanding of the mechanics in the game. Um, and it's like you like you said in Street Fighter Two, I loved it. I enjoyed it a lot, but. <sighs> Everybody, we were. I was playing against dudes on Street Fighter Two who were cashing their whole checks yep. and, and, and <laughs> for tokens, and they spent every free waking moment they they could from closing from opening to close at festival playing Street Fighter Two, and good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I can tell you, especially yeah. especially if they chose Guile. The thing about Street Fighter, though, it kind of opened up for me after this SNES version came out and the cartridge came out. And, and man, I, I played that thing to death. Yes. Uh, I believe I brought my Super Nintendo over to a friend's house and we had a like a 12-pack of beer and literally we're just playing versus mode. And I remember I think we played at least 400 matches in a row, just Ryu versus Ken, just like just just have at it all night. It was just epic epic so that's awesome that's awesome but you know folks that's kind of sort of the you know the thought process behind gaming vessels and we just kind of wanted to bring share shed a little bit of light as to you know our thoughts as to putting this type this this thing together so um like i said i hope you're going to i hope even if we're talking about, and, and we're going to, trust me, we're going to talk about the AAA blockbusters. We're going to talk about all that as well. But we're, we also want to put some shine on some of those uh, uh, Japanese titles, some of those indie titles that, uh, at least here in the West, may not get as much play. So uh, we hope that you're going to be along for, along for that ride along with us. And speaking of gaming, speaking of games... And also kind of falling under this introductory umbrella. Uh, we're going to go over our top three favorite games, our own personal top three of all time. And, you know, I think for, for me, speaking for myself, this is almost like uh, asking me, you know, which of, which of my kids do I love the most? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and I don't have children, but... Uh, uh, let's go ahead and kick this off. Des, why don't you uh, hit us off with the top three, man? Ooh, I got to go first. Okay. Um, so thought about this for a while. And uh, one of my top, uh, the two the two that I really like, you know, is uh, the first Shining Force on uh, Sega Genesis. <laughs> Um, I loved that game. I remember sitting there playing it and I, so I, I had never played a game like that because it was, it was grid based turn based. So it was like a predecessor to like tactics ogre or, um, uh, final fantasy tactics, all those tactics games, you know, shining force was one of the originators of that genre. And, uh, I just remember playing that game and just getting to the end, and I was just, you know, I was just, you know, you know, in high school, and and it, I had music playing in the background, and it was just this very, you know, tense moment. And at the end, we just, I, at the end, I was just like, I beat it, and I just sat there and watched the credits, and was just like, it was just like, it was just an amazing time, you know. It's like I did it, 
I beat it. I actually sat through and I beat an RPG. It was just, it was just this. It just felt glorious to have done it. So that was one of the ones that I remember. And one of the games that I that I that I uh, loved, but did, but didn't um, actually beat. And it was it, it has caused a, a, a great sadness in my heart. And every now and then I try to pick it up and, and play it again to beat it. But it was uh, Breath of Fire three, and and I played that damn game all the way to the end. And they had this thing that if um, one of the characters, one of the cat characters, I can't remember his name, was the yellow tiger character he would go you could have this ability to make him go feral and he could do like tons amounts of damages but you had to learn this move you had to learn this move (laughs) at the beginning of the game and you had to it was like a useless move that at the end if you used it on the boss this character would just like rip the boss to shreds and i was just so (laughs) saddened by that because i thought like the the uh the move was just useless, and I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't spend the time getting it, and I was just like, ah, this game. But I still love it. I still love it to this day. I love the series, but just that game right there, just, like, I really think on my bucket list, that's one of the things I want to beat Breath of Fire 3, just, just to say that I did it. Just that, that one, just, uh and then the uh, the last one, and these are all RPGs, by the way, because I get most. I think I get most of my satisfaction from RPGs because you invest so much time and effort into um, into the story, into the gameplay, um, and into the characters that they really kind of a really good story kind of resonates with you. And uh, the last one is Lufia Two: Rise of the Sinistrals. I remember. Uh, I remember playing that game. It was the first game that I actually used a guide. I know it's cheating, you know, but I used a guide on it. And I remember it was a bonding experience for me and the person that I was dating at, at the time. And they would read the, um, the, the like, it was like a, t- a tandem thing, like, you know, and they would, they would watch me play and, and just be all like excited. And, and like, they were involved in the story as well as I was. And like, at the end, we were just like, "Yay, we beat it!" So it was just that was one of the only times in the, during an RPG that I really kind of um, worked really, uh, really, really hard. Um, and then I have one honorable mention, and that is um, Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. Um, yeah, that game was amazing, and I, I, I honestly, that was the only game to this day that. I really wish I could have live streamed it because I played that game almost almost 40 to 72 hours in a row. It was crazy. Like I literally called out for work for this game. It was to play it. And I remember people would come home and they'd be like, you're still playing that game. And I'm like, yes, shut up, <laughs> come and eat. And I'm like, no, I got to play this next game. And I was like, damn you, you know, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, damn you for this. And, and then and I spent all that time, all that time, and I didn't beat it. I, be, I ended up beating the second one, but not the first one. I just had to stop playing the game because I played it so long. So, yes. Yeah, sometimes playing games can be an addiction, so just watch out, folks. That, that was your PSA from Gaming Vessels. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, the, the, those are my all-time favorite games. How about you, Joe? What are yours? 
Uh, well, let's start off with my honorable mentions, of course. Um, just kind of the games that kind of were like tent poles at some point for me. Um, I, just to let you know, I've been gaming for like since I was like six, no, yeah, six or seven years old, and I'm old, man. I'm old. So we're talking about like Death Race 2000 back in the arcade, like when I was like 1977. So, but, uh, the games that kind of left my mark, at least at the beginning of my life, is uh, Space Invaders. I'm going to start with the OG right there, the arcade wow. game that kind of kind of just stirred that, stirred that pot. And um, I used to play it every time I had a chance to, to play it. And uh, as soon as I saw that they had a home conversion, um, I asked and I begged and I pleaded um to get an atari 2600 i wound up getting a sears telesystem instead of a 2600 but hey you know it, if you didn't know the sears telesystem was like uh, basically a licensed system from atari it was like a clone of the 2600 that sears had a chance to sell so you and got my, a swap um, copy <laughs> you got it yeah that's awesome yeah you had a swap meat copy of an atari that is, I don't, that no. is old school i wish you still had that seriously I wish I still had it too, but you know that's back in the day. But when, as soon as I had my Space Invaders, man, oh man, because my mom kind of drug me over to one of her girlfriend's house to uh, do hair, and uh, they happened to have the Atari 2600 with Space Invaders, and I was literally glued on that TV for hours. In fact, she had to pull me off the damn thing to take me home. So, <laughs> so that's where that's that's the original genome, the original like uh, virus, shall you say. And uh, back then, I used to be a big comic book fan, and I used to read comics up to yay yay, and that's what started my love with like reading about video games and getting into video game magazines, that kind of thing. So, and so I wound up subscribing to Electronic Games, and I was, which happens to be like one of the original like gaming magazines from back in the day. I'm talking like 1980, 1981, and then it kind of started from there, where my love for comics started morph into my love for video games and uh, kind of went from there. And so all throughout my life, except for like a couple of uh, bad years in high school where I decided to ignore comics and games and just listen to bad heavy metal for a while, you know, and uh, well, that's another whole subgenre I won't get into. But uh, you said for a while, um, you still listen to <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> But, you know, there's a difference in between, you know, having taste and having posters of like, you know, Twisted Sister and uh, Motley Crue on my wall, for God's sake. So, <laughs> and I, I will fully admit at some point hair bands were OK. And then I started listening to true metal, true metal, of course. But uh, no, no <laughs> sense in going into that. <laughs> But after that, after, you know, I've been gaming all along. I mean, I'm talking about NES got me back into it, Super Mario Brothers. So that game kind of, I saw that at the arcade and I said, oh, damn, I want this at home. And so I bought an NES, loved it, got a Sega Master System, loved it. And so right from there, once I turned 18, 19, I started working for the government. I had a good job and I wound up buying pretty much every console I could get my hands on at that point so uh other games still honorable mentions before i go on 10 million tangents um fantasy star on the sega master system you talked about shining force being one of your first rpgs that was my first console rpg that's the game that i just kind of had to play i played it for months before i finally beat 
the game. And the thing about the original Fantasy Star is that the uh, game had 3D corridors and you had to to be able to figure out where you're going and to learn the patterns, get out graph paper and draw grid-based maps on there. So that's what I did with that game. In fact, at one point I got stuck, I called the Sega's toll-free number. I had someone I talked to at Sega's headquarters in San Francisco. They mailed me maps for that game. And it took me like literally four months to beat that game. So wow. that should be on wow. top that's devotion right there. Top three, but it's not on my top three, unfortunately. So other games to mention too. Um, even though I love my PlayStation 4, I'm a big PlayStation fan. Sega runs deep with me. And so when the Saturn was originally launched, it was a surprise. If you never knew about the original Sega Saturn launch, they did a surprise announcement at the first E3 back in 1995 on there. And they pretty much said, okay, Saturn's going to be out today at limited retail outlets. And so I happened to have a pre-order for the Saturn. So when I got that system home, because just a bit surprising me, thankfully had a credit card with enough credit on it to be able to go and bring everything home that day because obviously i was saving up for it but uh being able to grab um panzer dragoon daytona usa and virtua fighter uh, those are like three tent poles in that system for me compared to the playstation even though playstation is hot it was hot and it still was hot back in the day um panzer dragoon definitely was especially with the orchestrated music uh, the way the game played, it was a kind of corridor shooter where you could kind of move from side to side, look in your rear, you're riding a dragon on that. That game is just like, it It just was just cool. It was a great game. So I don't know if you, if you any of you two played that game or not. Or yep. That, mm-hmm. yep. It yeah. kind of reminded me of like a, like a, a, a re-envisioning of Space Harrier, like a 3D Space Harrier in a way. Yeah. It's another really good game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But as far as my top three, just to kind of, I could go on for days and days and days. But uh, my number three, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Um, my most played game in the last like two, three years, um, Destiny uh, from Bungie. And uh, pretty much that game kind of just got its hooks in me. That damn loot that damn gameplay hook the shooting was so just off the chain and just just you know just dripped gameplay and just you, it was a mode of addiction i would say on there and mixed in it was just this is like the you know I, to this day i mean i'm looking in my game room right now you know and i have like i had a whiteboard with like games i wanted to play and the date on the damn whiteboard is September 2014. That's the month that Destiny came out. Everything else kind of fell by the wayside for me for the game for a while on there. I think we talked about it on uh, Gamer Husbands, but uh, I believe why well, I have, I think, uh, I, th- I think 1,100 hours played in Destiny. I'm done with the game now. We mean, I think, and you, Kevin, you probably made your piece. We talked about this even earlier today with Destiny. We're done yes. waiting for Destiny 2 to come out. But yes, the game was fantastic. And much to everyone's detriment about, oh, this game sucks. Or like, you know, you know, because everything, all the hype prior to this game coming out just had it just to be like, oh, this long epic 10-year uh, cycle and all this other stuff. And 
they didn't make the mark that they wanted to make, but they still made a damn fine game. So it was the first. Ga- it was the game that got me into FPSs. Mm. I'll tell you that. I hated. I hated that genre until I played Destiny. So that says something. Well, that's Bungie's. That's Bungie's. You know, for you know, forte. Uh, when Bungie was in control of Halo, and I'm not the world's biggest Halo fan, so if, if for, for the purists out there, uh, forgive me. Uh, when Bungie was in charge of Halo, the one thing that I always went back to it for, and I stopped playing right around three, uh, was the gunplay. The gunplay, every gun felt different. Every gun looked, you know, like it belonged in the in the universe that they had created. And they just took that ability to make every freaking gun different. Now, I we all have it like in Destiny, we all have our favorite weapons loadouts, right? Oh yeah. But I every gun, just about every gun, feels different. I don't care if you're talking about the hand cannon. I don't care if you're talking about the scout rifle, the heavy machine gun, the rocket launcher. All of them, particularly when you start getting into the um, the exotics and the um, the 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 rares, the the purples. I forget what was the what was the term that they used for those. Anyway. Those uh, those more prized weapons, they all felt different and they responded differently. And you could come up with situations where different those different weapons would be better suited depending on what mission you were doing. And that's always, in my opinion, been Bungie's biggest strength is their ability to translate to make the game the gunplay as almost as big a part of the story as the story itself. That, that's, that's, that's just what I got out of it. So addicted to that. Well, I'm going to go in reverse order as well. I'm going to mention, uh, I'm going to throw up an honorable mention here. And that honorable mention is Mech Assault for the original Xbox. I don't know if you guys, if either of you two ever played that game. Um, I don't think I believe did. it or not. Yeah, you did. I don't think I did. Uh, okay. It's in my backlog, which I'll probably never ever play. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. Yes. Uh, believe it or not, folks, particularly if you are uh, a fan of or a listener of Gamer Husbands, uh, I have been accused of being uh, a, a Sony enthusiast. Uh, dare I say, pony. <laughs> depending on some of the feedback that we got. But back in the day, I was a... Uh, when the original Xbox was introduced, uh, I rap- I became a an almost rabid Xbox fan. I still had my PlayStation 2, loved it, still loved the system, but it became my exclusive-only console, and the original Xbox was where I went for its exclusives and third party. And they had a they had a game uh, created by Microsoft Studios uh, called Mech Assault. It was a stripped down or more arcadish version of Mech Warrior, which was on the computer. Mech Warrior 
I never played it, but from my understanding of the title, it was far more sim-ish. You know, you had to, it, you know, it was mouse and keyboard, and you know, all the keys did something different depending on what mech you were in. The the original Xbox version, and there were two versions of it. There were two. There was the original and the sequel. Um, I didn't care for the sequel all that much because they made some changes to multiplayer that I really did not like. But the original one was really my first foray into online gaming. And the original, the concept behind Xbox, <laughs> I can remember because I was living at, I was living at, still living at home at the time. And I saw, it must have been, this was back in the day when you can get those uh, E3 discs from uh, EB, EB, uh, EB Software or Software, et cetera, or EB Games, or before they all merged into the conglomerate known as GameStop. And this was back when you can get the uh, those E3 conference discs. Um, I still have a couple <laughs> in my collection. And I saw Mech Assault there, and I knew that I had to get a hold of that console. I didn't get it, the console, when it first came out, but once I did, I told my mom, because I was living at home at the time, I will pay for broadband. I have to, I, I've got to play this. So, <laughs> uh, and Mech Assault was my game. It was like, well, how people feel about Halo, I feel about Mech Assault. And you know, that was before parties and, you know, uh, lobbies and get pulling people into the game that you wanted and only playing with friends. There was a group that I that uh, I kind of jumped, you know, kind of lucked into and we all played Mechasol together. And uh, that was a fantastic game. My favorite mechs were uh, the Mad Cats and the Ragnarok. So kind of considered uh, I know a lot of people consider the mad cat kind of a, a game breaking and you were considered a, a noob or you know an assortment of other foul words were, were hurled at you if you use the mad cats but um, that those two were my my preferred mechs but the people that dominated the multiplayer were the ones that uh, couldn't had mastered the chicken mechs, as they, they called them, those little small, fast ones with the uh, with the cloaking. And if you you let them get close to you, they would just dance around you and shoot you with machine guns till you exploded. So uh, I never got into those, but I always stuck with the Mad Cats and the Rag. But that was some primo multiplayer uh, exp uh, primo multiplayer experience. And I'm hoping and praying that. Uh, Microsoft sees fit to bring that series back. Um, also, and I'm going to start from from. And I'm just going to jump to number three. I, I like like everyone else. I could talk about this all day, but number three is a game called Night Stalker. And Night Stalker was the the syringe that gave me the gaming disease. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, here, here where I live, there used to be, uh, I think they're out of business now, finally. And I actually used to work for them later, you know, uh, many years later. But back in the day, there was this store called Gotchocks. 
Yeah, Godshocks is a was a uh, local department store, and uh, I was this, this is like 1979, you know, 1980, roughly around that time. Uh, I was with my mom, and we were in Gottschalk's and Fashion Fair. And this was back in the day where uh, televisions, some televisions were offered in these massive blocks of wood that were like, you know, there was a, a, a record player, a, a planner, and uh, stereo <laughs> components all built into this giant wooden structure. You know, and in the center of it was, if I remember correctly, I think the biggest one was like maybe 27 inches, maybe, if you were willing to spend that kind of money, was a big old 27-inch tube television stuck right in the middle of it. Don't ask me how anybody was able to carry that thing and move it around into somebody's house, because it was like, you know, two tons. But I was in there with my mom, and I had... My brother used to take me to the arcade, and I saw Space Invaders, so I was kind of like really starting to get into it. But I went, we went into Gottschalk's, and I stumbled into the electronics department, and they had Night Stalker running on one of those, you know, big old televisions. And I saw it. I'm like, what the heck is this? So. They had the system like on the floor because the the it was like right there on the floor and someone had been fiddling with it and they put the controller down and so I walked up to it. Now, the Intellivision, for those who don't know, is an experiment in uh, hand torture because the controllers are some of the worst design things I, I have ever seen in my life, but it is the console that drew me into gaming. It looks, there's a, there's a metal, the metal disc, a flat metal disc is what you use to control whatever object. And the rest of the controller looks like a touchpad phone. So you had, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero. And you had the equivalent of star and pound. It was, you know, like a telephone, <laughs> a push button phone. And the, you use the, the, the disc in conjunction with the keypad to control all the games, you know, on the system. They had Night Stalker running. And basically, Night Stalker was kind of like, you could almost think of it almost like uh, uh, Berserk, for those who remember that game back in the day, uh, like a, a stripped-down or not as graphically impressive Berserk. And you were a guy in the, middle, in the middle of the screen, you had this little house, and you had to leave the house and kill all these robots and giant spiders and bats that were coming into this maze. It was a, it, it was, it wasn't a scrolling thing. It was everything was all you know static. It was all on the screen at the same time. You had to grab your laser gun. You had six shots in the gun. When you ran out of ammo, another gun would materialize in the maze, and you had to run over to it, grab the next gun, in order to in order to defend yourself. And as your score increased, 
different types of robots were introduced into the game, including the kind that can destroy your little house. Because, because up until up until the time where the robot, the house destroying robot, which I think was the black robot, and then later, and the final one is the invisible robot. Until then, you're, if you can get to your house, you can pretty much chill there for as long as you need to until there's a break in the action, so you can go and get you, get the gun. But before the, uh, but but after those uh, house destroying robots come out, it becomes. Uh, extremely hectic and I played that game and that was all I could talk about on the way home at dinner at breakfast the next day with all my friends at school that was the topic of of my discussion for like the next week I kid you not (laughs) and uh my dad, my mom, my I would later find out that my mom talked to my dad and she's like, well, uh, I think we know what we're going to try and get him for for Christmas coming up. And um, later that year at Christmas time, um, I had a big old box with an Intellivision gift wrapped and Night Stalker and Space Battle and Space Hawk and a whole bunch of other whatever whatever that launch title those launch of titles were. By the way, I have every I still have my Intellivision and every single Intellivision game that I ever got. And that that's that's when I fell in love, but Night Stalker was the was was the access point for me. It was just so much freaking fun. Um, I still have all my overlays because the, you had to, because it was just a keypad. Depending on what game you were playing, you would need to know what, but what keypads did had what function. And the way Mattel decided to do this, by the way, Intellivision was created by Mattel, the same people that make Barbie. Um, they they had these uh, little plastic overlays that you could slip in on top of the uh, keypad, and those overlays would tell you what button would do what function. It was actually an, a, a pretty ingenious thing. Uh, it was far more in depth than than what was going on on any on like the the VCS uh, or or even the Odyssey two for that matter. But the problem was that the controller was a was torture to play for extended periods of time. I I can remember having seeing my thumb swelling up to almost twice its size on one twice its size on many occasion <laughs> because I would play that I would play those games for so freaking long. But um, splice in that Jackson Five song right here. <laughs> We don't. Hey, don't sing that. We don't. We don't got rights to that. Uh, we don't care. <laughs> Trying to get us canceled? Don't you? Uh, but uh, Night Stalker is my number three. Number two, um, I'm a brawler fanatic. I'm a beat 'em up fanatic. If if I can beat, if you give me a game where I can beat somebody up, I'm there, 110 percent. And one of the one of the games. Also, that influenced me of being a, such a strong original Xbox fan was the Ninja Gaiden series. Um, Ninja Gaiden Black, the Ninja Gaiden Hurricane Pack, 
those are as as far as I'm concerned, even to this day, I don't think we have a brawler that is quite up to up to that level of precision from the camera to the move set to the character designs, your enemy and, and your character designs, Ryu Hayabusa is if I if you if I had to gauge my favorite who who my favorite video game character is, I'd probably have to say it's 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 Hayabusa. Um every time you got killed, it was never it was never the game's fault. It wasn't because, oh, well, I got attacked from behind and it was the dude was off camera. No, that they had managed to create a series, and I, I say series because it was number one and number two. Um, three, don't get me started on, but <laughs> number one and number two under uh, Itagaki's uh, uh, direction. Those games required you to master whatever weapon you use, whether you're using the dragon sword, whether you're using the nunchucks, whether you're, or, or in number two, whether you're using the talons. Um, you had to be aware of your surroundings. You had to be aware of what moves best uh, dealt with crowds. If you were facing more than two opponents, what moves were best for inflicting the most damage on a single opponent, especially if you're dealing with like a sub boss or a, a large enemy, like in when you're doing the hurricane pack challenges, man, that those games force you to become a better player. And absolutely, I absolutely fell in love with the uh, Ninja Gaiden one, the hurricane pack and, um, Ninja Gaiden 2. And as a matter of fact, uh, if memory serves, the Hurricane Pack was offered. Was that a was that a, that was a physical release, wasn't it? Or was it on the on, on Xbox Live? I can't remember which. It was on uh, Xbox Live. It was on Xbox Live. That I yeah. think that was my first bit of DLC that I ever purchased. Uh, the Hurricane. <laughs> that was the Hurricane Pack. And I freaking love, I was, again, spend hours playing that game, trying to master those levels, trying to, to better my score. And it is what made it, it's beginning with, uh, you know, in the arcades, sort of like playing with the, uh, you know, Final Fight and some of the, and some of the other Capcom titles, but at home. It was all about Ninja Gaiden, and that's that series made me such a big fan of the Brawler series as a whole, uh, you know, and I have that that's still to this day my favorite genre. And number one is a beat 'em up uh, by the good folks at Clover Studios, uh, former subsidiary of Capcom. The the company is now defunct, unfortunate, unfortunately. Uh, this game was directed by. This was a Shinji Mikami game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, you and, got it, man. Uh, man. God hand. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> God hand. Oh game. man, that was a fun game, dude. That game it, to this day is still my favorite 
my favorite game. It's my favorite game, period. Uh, that soundtrack. I can't think of that. the soundtrack. And where else can you beat up uh, midget Power Rangers as, as, <laughs> as a boss fight? The the whole, the story is crazy. You you have uh, your main character has uh, the god hand, which basically means it's like his hand is like God, you know, one of the hands of God, right? <laughs> and like one punch demon, man before one punch man, yeah, kind of before one punch exactly. And these demons, it's kind of like a like almost like a post apocalyptic world in a way. Uh, but all, but all the, these demons are kind of like, and they're kind of depicted as um, like this uh, crime boss cabal, and they're all after your main character, trying to get trying to get his arm and trying to kill him so they can get his arm. And the way that you can customize your character, you can select what moves you want your character to use, like. Okay, I want a move that's going to break an opponent's block, so you can select that. Um, I, I need a move that's going to, you know, deal with crowd control. Well, there's a roundhouse kick that deals with that, and you can map all those all those moves to your face buttons. And the sweet, the coolest thing though were your supers that were kind of attached to this, like a almost like a roulette wheel and the, the game would go into slow motion and you can select what you know devastating attack you wanted to use and they pulled no punches when it came to to humor it's very Japanese uh, some of the things that that they depict are probably not uh, um, uh, PC friendly you know by by today's standards so to speak uh, and that's also one of the reasons why I, I love it so much. It, it's, it is not, you know, the, the reviews were kind of mixed, uh, if memory serves, uh, you know, coming from the professional reviewers. Uh, some people loved it. Some people were not so hot on it. But God Hand uh, by Clover Studios, uh, published by Capcom, is my favorite game uh, of all time, and that, that this is this was a hard list to come up with. <laughs> this was a really hard list to come up with. Uh, like I said before, it's almost like asking asking someone which of their kids they love the most. But uh... <laughs> yeah. so uh, we... we'll go back to Joe now. Joe, uh, I think you were at your number two slot. Yeah, I was. Yeah, sorry, I had to get up for a minute because nature was calling me in a deep unnerving matter, which I will not talk about anymore. Notes so. for next week. Go to the bathroom before <laughs> the podcast. For sure. So my number two, without any ado, um, Virtua Fighter 4 Evolution on the PlayStation 2. And uh, my love affair for that wonderful 3D fighter, Virtua Fighter, uh, started on the uh, Sega Saturn, like I mentioned earlier, on that. And every version of the series was right in my wheelhouse. I loved that game. Um, if you're going to compare Virtua Fighter, the original, to um, the first 3D fighter on PlayStation Toshinden, uh, this was back in the day where you were able to bring a game back to software, et cetera, after you bought it, after you actually opened it and played it. <laughs> and so I took Battle Arena to Shinden once the PlayStation 
one launched like within a day or two because that game was a stinking piece of garbage compared to Virtua Fighter. So wow, yeah, those are fighting words right there. Fighting Fight words. words uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. Yikes. <laughs> But I, I loved that series ever since. I was a Saturn fanboy. I, I loved the uh, combat. Even after what Tekken came out, I enjoyed Tekken quite a bit. But uh, that was the uh, OG 3D fighting game. And my love for that series kind of grew from there. Um, 2 was also on the Saturn, also in arcades. Um, loved that game as well. 3 was phenomenal. Uh, that, when that game came out, that kind of... Uh, it was at uh, um, Playland, our local arcade here in Clovis at the time, and set up to play for, I think, a dollar a play or like 50 cents a play or something ridiculous to where um, that game was like, you know, award-winning uh, graphical powerhouse on the latest uh, arcade board, which happened to be the Model 3 uh, arcade board on there but uh, ever since virtual fighter 4 loved it but virtual fighter 4 evo um pretty much that was my game of games as far as virtual fighters like kind of me the the apex of that series in my opinion on there they had a mode where you were able to go in and uh go into a local japanese arcade and fight people at the arcade do a tournament move on to a higher tier of arcade and to be able to become ultimately the uh Virtua Fighter 4 Evo uh, Master on that. But a lot of my experience with the game happened to be with uh, playing with my friends, uh, Terry, with my friend Scott, and just getting into these like literal just like wars with them. And uh, um, this is right when I first started dating my wife and my wife got to witness me uh, massacre a garbage can at my house one time because I just was so pissed off about losing a match my go-to go-to player happened to be a lion and still to this day i love to play lion and um you know just me and my friend terry would go back and forth like with literal heat sorry i'm gonna stop right now hold on do you hear that in the background Uh, a little bit but that's fine mouse cap you had a cat i just remember we have to, uh, on another show, not this show, but we do have to talk about, you know, um, um, what you do when you lose a, a match. Not just you in general, but just what people do when they lose a match, uh, a, uh, a fighting match. Like, what, what are some of the, the things they've done? Because I know Joe has done, he, he gets quite emotional. When oh, he, I used to. When I don't know about it anymore. When he, but, when he plays fighting know. games. Joe, Joe's very oh. passionate about the games, mm-hmm. I remember playing a lot of Dead or Life three and and uh, various <laughs> Last Blade and, and uh, Samurai Showdown two. I remember, you know, I almost knocked over a cabinet at uh, Nickel at one point. I think I like <laughs> it was at Neon. So it was at Neon Arcade. It was at Neon. Okay, I thought it was at yeah. It no, was no, at no, Neon, Samurai yeah. Showdown two. I'll never forget it. <laughs> oh, making you yeah, spend no. your hard earned quarters trying to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. So all the hate, all the hate, the love and the hate, the the dividing line, that fence, that passion, you know, that I I, obviously I wasn't gloating when I won, but obviously when I lost, I I was just, especially with it being so just um, 
But you sighed. Razor. You always sigh relief when you won, though. You were like, whew. <laughs> You're like, oh, I did it. I did it. It was, just like, it was like that Rocky moment. It's like, I did it. I, I, I beat Apollo Creed. I did it. <laughs> I did it. <sighs> you know? <laughs> I will not deny. I will not deny. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm grateful I don't play competitively that much anymore because otherwise it's like. Because <laughs> we're good on a tangent because that was always the thing about fighting games in, in the arcade, though, because you had to put your quarter on the on the cabinet and then yeah. and then you had to wait your turn. And then if you lost, like you, you not only were you like humiliated, you were financially humiliated because you had to put your quarter in the back of the line and come back and try to fight them. I mean, it was just yeah. it was psychological, you know, I know it was. Yeah, I know it was. And that was I mean, kind of sucked that that kind of went away. I think the last game that we kind of at least for me, I played a lot of was like uh, Street Fighter three. Uh, Double impact and then third strike. I think yeah. that was like the third strike was the last a- one. Apex before the fighting game genre kind of went off on its merry way a little bit. I mean, granted, there was a lot of like you know King, King of Fighters, of Fighters yeah. and you know so on and so forth, but it never got as hot. You know where everyone was, uh, you know, getting a good group of guys going and uh, and being able to like, get that camaraderie and uh, back and forth and all that stuff. So it's just and, and we. And we can't forget the uh, the rules of the quote unquote arcade, you know, no throwing, no throwing, uh, <laughs> no chick throws. Uh, you throw somebody at the arcade, you you're gonna you're gonna get mean mug, yep. <laughs> or worse, <laughs> big time if you are not familiar with the uh, uh, the rules of that specific. Yeah. Region. <laughs> that smelly cheese on you. Got that I cheese. Don't know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Remember that alpha alpha one, alpha two, alpha three, like cheese where you're throwing a fireball, someone's blocking your at the end and you wind up beating him. You know, it's like, you know, I you know, know that, that used to be or like throwing some shorts, throwing some little <laughs> jab jabs at the end or whatever, you know, it's like that used to be a bone of contention too. But yeah. you know, hey, play the damn game. You know, that's what I have to say. <laughs> I, I I would throw a throw in there. I don't care. I don't care. I break them rules. I don't give a. <laughs> I did too. I, I did too. It's, it's you know it's. I remember apologizing. Like, sorry. No one took mercy on me. No one had mercy on me when I was playing. <laughs> yeah. Especially if I'm playing a 3D fighter, you know, if I'm playing like, you know, Wolf or Jeffrey and Virtua Fighter, you know, tell me not to throw. I mean, I, we're talking 2D fighters because 3D fighters, I mean, That's you're going to throw, you're going to throw. Yeah. yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, and then my number one game of all time happens to be uh, a game that originally started out on the Dreamcast. Uh, it was a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time, which I mentioned earlier, Fantasy Star. Uh, my f- favorite game of all time happens to be Fantasy Star Online. I think it's the game that I probably played the most. I kind of followed from once the Dreamcast went belly up. Um, played it on the GameCube a lot when Episode 1 and 2 came out. Also played it on the Xbox and the PC. I mean, I followed that game to no end. As far as what was it, it was just the first console game that kind of introduced online play. And so um, it was just something to me that just kind of opened my eyes. And uh, the game, it was an action RPG, so it had a lot of uh, a good hook to the um, combat. And you're able to, you know, obviously... You know, play either a hunter with a gun or a player ranger um, 
hunter with a sword or a ranger with a gun on that. Uh, also, you had uh, some magic characters uh, to be able to go and throw out the spells and that kind of thing. But you were able to play four-player cooperatively. And it was like one of the first main console games to support online play. And so that in of itself, uh, just, just loved the game, loved the game. There was like a, basically a hub world you started out with. You are able to go buy weapons, but there was a lot of loot in the uh, worlds that you were able to fight in on there, pick up uh, materials, pick up uh, additional swords. Um, and so that, you know, it's like for me, just that's where those hooks came in. And uh, Fantasy Star Online, if it has some influence in Destiny as well, just uh, as, as an FYI, you know, I think they looked upon that game a little bit with the little hooks as far as the, the loot and whatnot, but then you're able to fight big bosses together cooperatively and especially going through the mines and some of the other uh, levels in the game. I just have a great affinity towards PSO and um, I even bought a PC so I could play PSO 2, but PSO 2 never came out in English. Sega kind of dropped the ball from there, but uh, I will be shortly i've been promising myself to take the time it's on uh the psn store in japan pso2 it's a free-to-play game i'm going to get a chance to you know, get my hooks in there if you want to play on the pcs too there's patches for pso2 that are out there right now but i'm um, going on a tangent again I do apologize but uh, uh pso definitely my favorite game of all time have any of you other guys played it at all I played it on the Dreamcast and I enjoyed it. I unfortunately I did not play online. Oh, you never uh, played online. I never okay. played it online. I just did the solo, but uh, I liked it. Um, I kind of wish I would have gotten deeper into it, but my problem is is that I can't necessarily devote my time to really sink into one game because another bright and shiny will come along. And yeah. it's like, oh, you know, oh, got to chase that. And that, hap that's hap that happened to me a lot in my younger years. So, uh, but I, I definitely do did play that game on the Dreamcast. I played it as well. I think I played it with you, you Joe. Um, yes. Uh, a couple of times. I, I, was a, I was a late adopter to online play. The first online game I ever played was uh, the Monster Hunter was the first online game I played and it's the whole concept of online gaming was just kind of weird you know it was just like it was exciting and scary it's like who are these people and what's going on like connectivity and it was all just like ah, oh, the golden age of that stuff it's just I really you know uh, but but uh, Final uh, Fantasy Star was the first one that I actually started to play online and I really was like wow this is really good and and I was able to like you know work in tandem with someone from someplace else like there was no couch co-op it's like you were at your house i was at my house and we were playing this game together it was just a very unique experience and and like the whole party structure and stuff. And i know people have been playing like you know wow and other pc based um mmos and stuff like that but you know i'm not really a pc player so having having yeah. that connectivity on on a console for the first time was, was very, very interesting, very interesting. And, and I, and, and I grew to really, really enjoy it. And now it's like, you don't, you, the, this, having a game that doesn't have a multiplayer component now is just like a thing of the past. Like that, you know, you, you just don't have that anymore. You know, you do, but it's just, you, did people want that? They want that connectivity, you know, in order to be able to pay. And then that's why I think it's really sad 
that um, a game like Fantasy Star is not being a new one is not being made right now because that franchise was just so rich and like I don't I don't I, I don't I just don't I mean it, it's not for me you know to to understand what companies do with their IPs but it's like yeah but it's like you totally have something here that you could just put some time in and people would buy it I'm I swear to God people would buy Fantasy Star on PS4. A uh, pro or a Scorpio or, or or any of that, any of the newer stuff. Shit, they 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 would play that on the Switch. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> they just seem to have some faith, but they don't. So, uh, I think they just didn't want to spend the money at the time. They didn't think there would be an audience, but now I think with uh, the audience for Japanese games now seems a lot more open than it was like three, four years ago. A lot of people were saying gloom and doom for consoles, gloom and doom for Japan. And a lot of people say the sky was falling in, in a way like uh, chicken little syndrome on that and saying that, you know, everyone's going to go to mobile. Everyone's going to play on their phones or tablets. And obviously I think consoles are kind of pushed back in a big way since PS4 has come out, uh, Xbox One to a smaller degree, of course. So, Yeah, and, and plus Fantasy Star always struck me as having an art style that was not resource-intensive. No. Uh, so, I mean, it's, a, it's something that could actually come out across all platforms and not really, you know, yeah, I'm sure it would be able to. They could figure out a way to make it play on the Switch and play on PC and without you having to have the latest and greatest, you know, GTX powered, you know, card and, you know, running on original Xbox and PS4, or if you have the Pro or the Scorpio, that that those art assets were colorful and they were bright and they were pleasant to the eye, but they just did not seem to be all that resource intensive. And that's one of the other things that I thought at least the fantasy star that I played, the only one I played was on the Dreamcast, um, kind of struck me as being, you know, this could probably run on anything. Yeah. You know, looking at it from the, looking at it in 2017, obviously not at the time that I played it, but as you guys were talking about, I was just kind of thinking about those art assets, and yeah, that would translate well across all platforms. You know, we, we kind of saw that on the Wii U with... Um, Oh gosh, what was that RPG? Um, help me out here, y'all. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Xenoblade Chronicles, yes, yeah. yes. Um, something like that. You know, that reminded me very much of, of of Fantasy Star. So it can be done. They're they're just hopefully they'll see uh, they'll see they'll recognize the market that's out there for it. Well, the thing about Fantasy Star Online 2 right now is the game is like five years old. They're going to have to translate five years worth of updates no. uh, from Japan. But pretty much they had an English version they introduced in Southeast, Southeast Asia, like in the Philippines and stuff. And they just recently announced that they're going to shut the server off. So pretty much I think uh, Fantasy Star Online 2's time has come and gone. I don't think it's going to be coming out west anytime soon, but uh, there's enough supporters of their of that game out there. There's the English patches for the PC version on there, so it's something that I'm going to probably put on my little short list to go out and try. Anyone listening to this is interested in giving it a shot, You know, let me know too. I have no problem. I, push me over the edge. I've been talking about playing this game for now and checking the english patch out for my pc for like the last year year and a half two years so 
So it's something to where I'm just going to finally get, get her done. Destiny's out of my system now. So <laughs> Until September. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and believe it or not, folks, we have a question. Uh, this is a fine gentleman that we've been gaming with on uh, GHR, Gamer Husband's Radio Game Nights for a while. Uh, the main man, Alberco, hit us with a question for this for our new show. Hi, guys. Here's my question. What games do you find yourself playing even years after it was released? As for me, it's Mega Man X, Castlevania Symphony of the, Symphony of the Night, and Chrono Trigger. Um, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's another hard question because, you know, I would do more playing of older games, older titles. Um, currently, right now, the only systems that I have uh, connected uh, are the current, you know, this current generation uh, and my PC. But uh, all things being equal, um, I would really like to connect my original Xbox and uh, jump back into some <laughs> and jump back into some Ninja Gaiden, <laughs> Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden Black for those for those enunciation uh, purists. Uh, would definitely like to jump back into that game again. Uh, my original Xbox is hacked, so. Uh, it's got an arcade emulator on there and all that, all that cool stuff too. But um, yeah, the game that I would go back to would be Ninja Gaiden um, or God Hand. Um, I do not have my my PS2 connected, but unfortunately, I can't play my copy of God Hand because it is domestic, and the only PS2 that I have is a Japanese system. And unfortunately, kids, there was a time where there was this thing called uh, region locking <laughs> where uh, you had to have the system that corresponded with the games released in that region, meaning that if you ordered a game from Japan, you could not necessarily play it on your console if you purchased it in America. And there are ways to sidestep that, but... Um, I had a domestic PS2, and I still have my Japanese PS2, but unfortunately, my domestic PS2 quit working many years ago, uh, and my uh, all I have is my, uh, my Japanese one, which I bought for all those awesome arcade compilation discs that came out in Japan, like... Uh, uh, you know, dynamite Decca and <laughs> all, all that wonderful goodness. But uh, well, you, may, you might want to go check out um, maybe like maybe yard sales or something. Maybe check that out, or maybe even think about uh, emulating now because I think you have a beefy enough PC. I know you're new to PC gaming, but uh, have you thought about maybe doing some PS2 emulation? Maybe I thought about that. I read a couple of uh, blogs about it. It may be a little in more in depth than I'm feel comfortable in doing. Uh, one of the emulators talked about going into the command line and making some changes. One of the notations was, Hey, if you do, if you enter this the wrong way, you'll screw up your registry. And that just kind of scared the heck out of me. I don't even remember what emulator it was, but, um, I'm, 
I I would be more tempted to you know get something that's like pre-made. I know they have uh, you can buy hard drives with some of this stuff already on there, and it's just kind of plug and play. But uh, I'll think about it. I'll I'll keep digging into it and seeing what what other stuff is available. Yeah, I know the main one, at least the one that works really good, is PSS PCSX2 on there. So if you're looking for one. Uh, I have even an article saved on it because it's something I was looking to kind of delve into on there because um, as long as you're able to burn your um, game disk onto your system using like a program like Image Burn or something like that, um, you're able to play it right off the uh, the file and to be able to play your game that way. So, so oh, okay. uh, yeah, so um, in fact, I will send you this article. Maybe we'll talk about it in the future week. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Come here for yeah. all your emulation needs. <laughs> of course. Gaming vessels. <laughs> we are not responsible for, for charges of piracy. Yeah, or to <laughs> break your system. <laughs> womp, womp. Sorry. Hey, you own the game. You can play God Hand on anything you want, right? Come on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right, Joe, what's, like what's your game that you'd like to go back to? Uh, for me, I would say, God, I'm looking at the games that are on my PS4 right now. <laughs> Destiny. And, uh, no, 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 just not Destiny. We're talking about classics. We're talking about old school classics on there. And uh, for me, at least, you know, just like we did last week, I love to go back and play every so often like some like old school classics like neo geo stuff like i believe like about maybe a month ago i played through metal slug 3 for the first time in ages um playing some king of fighters you know even me me you and uh kevin were supposed to go play some real bout uh real bout collection just came out on ps4 so those are the games i always love to go back to because to me i could go back and play any old school fighting game uh, like it was like just yesterday, in my opinion on there. Um, I just bought Samurai Showdown 6 on PS4 as well. So those, you know, I know Al is looking more angling. What classic games do I always go back to? And uh, I don't, to me, especially playing old games like that, um, it's just something as easy as playing an old school arcade game, uh, especially on a compilation or something like that. That That is my go-to go-to. Yeah, for for me, if we're talking about super classics, I I don't really, I'd have to agree with Joe. I mean, it's it's I'm more kin to play an old school fighting game because it's just kind of fun, and it's it, I like to reminisce about the past, you know, the past of just like completely crushing Joe. So, you know, I I, I enjoy doing aye, aye, that. Aye, aye, aye. You know, I enjoy going there when I visit him, and I'm like, yeah. Let's throw on this, and he's like, "Okay, so so that's fun." But I mean, I generally, I generally stick to like games that are usually maybe ten within a ten year span. So like sometimes I'll pop out, I'll pop in a like, uh, I don't know, I I want to say like Skyrim or something like that. I'll pop in, I'll play that. Uh, if I'm gonna play, I, I like the open world games because they're just kind of like they they make those games they make these games now where you can just kind of like drop in play for a couple hours and then just drop out because i'm not one of those people that has to 
you know, play the main story and then and then beat the game, especially if it's a super RPG nowadays. Like I don't I play it for the experience, you know? So I I've it's funny, like in especially with like Skyrim, I've done like all of the side quests. So I've beaten all the side quests in one playthrough, but I've never done it all with one character. So like I'll create a character, I'll play the thieves mission, all those missions, and I'll beat that that story and then I'll don't want to play it for a while and then I'll but I've never actually sat down and beat the main story. It's just that's just kind of how I like to play those types of games. Um, I mean, the or sometimes I'll go and I'll play like I'll, I'll pop in and I'll I'll pop in at my um my Game Boy and I'll start playing um uh like a Monster Hunter or or something like that. Uh, and old uh, I started playing um what was it? Uh, one of the old Pokemon games I started playing uh, again, you know, just because it was for shiggles, you know. I was just like, hey, I haven't played that in a while. Let's play this. Um, so, yeah, it just it, there's always those those creature comforts or those, or those games that kind of like you, you like to just like you just kind of play in and, and, and kind of veg out and have a bit of nostalgia and just kind of run around and do nothing. Um, so that's generally okay. those games that, that I like to play. So. Just remember too, GTA Vice City. So it's like, yeah. uh, you know, that's on PS4. And uh, I remember firing up my PS2 not too long ago, and I was just walking around with an old save and just like, you know, not doing anything but you know, bashing people, killing people, yeah, <laughs> stealing cars and <laughs> doing whatever other stuff that kind of enthralled me. And then just they like, just, you know, him. yeah, and then they just I, and I, they just sit there. They're bringing out Vanquish again, you know, for 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 the PC. And I was like, that was a game that just like went went really under the radar, and it was fantastic, you know, oh, progressive so to like to like Bayonetta and all them. And I was just like, cool. And, and now it's coming up for PC. I mean. That game's awesome. Made me think about that and wanted to wanted to fire it up and play and play that game. So, um, which is a whole other topic about bringing bringing older games out for um, for PC or or newer newer consoles and stuff. So, I mean that that's a whole other story um, topic. I would just say, uh, just kind of to uh, to cap what what you guys have said from my own perspective, I would love to be able to go back and plug in my Intellivision, get my ColecoVision up and running. You know, I still have my turbo wheel. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I still have my turbo wheel it is, it is the, my, my favorite, one of my favorite accessories for consoles ever. Um, my goal long-term for my entertainment center is to have a, tube tv because i don't really want to go back and I'm, i know there's plugins and and splicers and and all these other things that i can use to make those old consoles playable on a modern television set i, I really don't want to do all that because i actually have access to two base televisions so my long-term goal with my entertainment center is to Basically, keep what I have, you know, more or less where it is, but right next to it, just kind of have racked and connected, you know, my ColecoVision and my Intellivision and a tube, a tube television, so I can just plug them directly into it and, and just go. Um, I think that would be that would be the prime uh, solution for me because I have 
uh, nieces and a nephew that oddly for their age have an unusual appreciation for older stuff. Now, I understand, you know, pushing a kid whose first console was uh, an Xbox One, <laughs> you know, hey, take a look at this uh, in television game, Tron Deadly Discs, where you have this uncomfortable controller and overlays and key phone buttons to push to control might be pushing it a little bit, a little bit, but, um, all three of them have a, a very, uh, like my mom says, they, they have a old soul complex. They have just have this appreciation for older stuff, uh, much like their dad. Uh, so, uh, I kind of want to have that going on for them and just kind of preserve because all the, the boy, uh, EJ is far more into gaming than his uh, sister and his cousin. Uh, but all three of them will play if EJ is playing, you know, it's, it's kind of that type of thing. So I think EJ would probably get a kick out of seeing the foundations of console gaming as it were this is this is what this is what i played on when i was your age so that's kind of my long-term goal for that but, uh yeah. thank you al burko for that question brother as always you're giving us a uh, great discussion on our show uh because you know you did that on gamer husbands thank you for for helping us out on this venture as well so we're going to move on to the playlist. Um, for me, it's been real quick and real, real quick and easy. The games I've been playing of late have been three. I've been playing Persona 5. You've probably heard about it. You know what it's all about. I'm addicted to it. I'm about 70 hours in. It garners the greatest, the lion's share of my gaming time. It pulled me off of Horizon Zero Dawn, and I didn't think anything would. But <laughs> Persona 5 sure as heck did. Um, also, as a matter of fact, last night on PC, I finished Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, uh, the prequel to uh, The New Order. Fun game. Could have lived without the uh, stealth, the pseudo-stealth elements. You know, I just want to shoot Nazis in the face. When it comes to Wolfenstein games, I don't necessarily, I don't really feel the need to have to want to creep around and you know get past areas without being spotted or seen. But uh, thoroughly enjoyed that game, first-person story-based shooter. Uh, and lastly, uh, well, and next, I've been playing Bayonetta also on PC, 60 frames per second. Uh, playing that game in. Uh, uh, on my PC has been an absolute joy uh, seeing in comparison to how it played on, on the consoles, particularly if you unfortunately like me had a PlayStation three <laughs> Bayonetta was not pretty. It ran uh, like dog uh, crap. So. Oh yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> on, uh, uh, yeah. In fact, I went back and got it, got another Xbox 360 because I, I wanted to I wanted to continue to play the game in its best the best primo version that was available at the time but now we got on a PC and lastly uh Forza Horizon 3 jumped into the game night for open forum radio and played with those guys um also on the PC 
my biggest problem, and we can talk about uh, we can talk about Forza or something on a uh, Forza on a different on a different show. My problem is that Microsoft has to fix that PC app, that Xbox Live app. It's consistent, consistently kicking me out of the party, uh, or it will keep me in the party and boot me out of the game, or <laughs> I'll be in the party and uh, it'll boot me out of the game, bring me into the game, and then boot me back out of the game. There is a whole lot of instability uh, with regard to the Xbox app on PC. They really need to get that ironed out. Um, are you so trying I, to play with other people that are playing on Xbox One, or is it just the point that uh, it's just jank? It's jank. They're on. They're on. I'm. I'm just gonna be be <laughs> be straight up. It is jank, at least in my experience, because um, everybody on and and the people I were playing with were mostly on uh, the Xbox One. Uh, this is all post the Windows 10 update, and there have been a number of updates to the Xbox One console since then. So you would think that these stability issues would have been ironed out. You know, I'm not, I get it. When you're on PC, it's still a different beast than the console. I understand that. But they're both running off the same kernel, so to speak. And that Xbox Live app is just really, really jank. It actually play, I, I, here's, the, here's the funny thing. And I'll say this and I'll, and I'll shut up. <laughs> it's more stable when I'm playing on Steam and just have the Xbox Live app running in the chat than it is when I'm actually on the app playing a Microsoft game like Forza Horizon 3. I have Gears of War 4 and Forza Horizon 3. I've had the same experience on both titles. If I'm on a Friday night, if I'm in the party chat with the um, OFR guys and I'm playing something like Bayonetta, works fine no problem <laughs> so i mm. uh, they need to get that together so that's been my that's been my playlist this week uh my playlist basically um has been viking uh vikings wolves of midgard i've been playing that game it is a you know diablo clone um it's interesting i enjoy it um, I liked Diablo when I played it. I liked that top down, you know, running around, hold the button down, do combos, kill people and stuff. It's very mind numbing. <laughs> um, and I really, you know, Nordic mythology is kind of interesting to me. So I was like, okay, I had a chance. See, well, see, okay, you have to understand this. Uh, Joe, so Joe, again, Joe, Joe and I have been really good friends. Joe loves to buy games. Like he yes. is, he loves to buy <laughs> games, flip them, flip them, dip them, turn them around. He does it. So I was like, cool. Smack so, it up, flip it, rub it down. Yep, okay. That's Joe. <laughs> Joe. Oh no. To dial. To dial. Credit. He is, he is, he is pop a credit over there. So anyway, so when I go visit him, because we don't live in the same city anymore, I'll go visit him and people like hey you want to play games i'm like sure so i get to like i get it's like it's like going to a going to a, a car salesman because like he'll put on a game and i'm like cool so i'll play the game if i like it i'll go buy it so so i, I like i like having that 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 option when i go visit joe and so he had bought 
you know, this game after he, you know, had us go all the way across town because he wanted to get a <laughs> quote unquote good deal on it. And so he did. Yes. He got a great deal and he was very satisfied that he paid, you know, his he got his deal I, price. I, pay, I paid seventeen ninety nine after uh, $15 used certificate from GameStop and then obviously buying it used versus new because I don't care about supporting the developers at all because I'm mean and nasty or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, I, bought, I bought my version new, though, though GameStop was like, are you sure you don't want the used version? We have it. And I'm like, nope, I'm right here. It's, you have it. I'll buy it here. So, so, um, so yeah, I've been playing that game. I played at Joe's house. I enjoyed it. And then I, I started playing it again. Um, another game was uh, I started playing uh, that game, and I was playing Totoken because I love my Monster Hunter clones. As you can see, I like playing you know clones of other games, so these genre games. Um, so I played oh, Totoken. I don't want to say it's a clone. It's it's in the same genre. It's like Monster Hunter is a genre now. It's just like Street Fighter, and everything's not a Street Fighter clone. I mean, it created its own clones. genre. So. They're all clones yeah, okay. of each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we could say Monster Hunter is a clone of Fantasy Star because I mean, pretty much that's what it was. It just added its own formula to it. But hey, I'm not gonna go on tangents here. Proceed. You should. <laughs> That's a whole other thing we can talk about. Is like, is like, are there any original? Um, that's the thing we talk about, like in a, in a future podcast. Is are there original concepts in video games anymore? You know, they only say there's what seven, seven stories that people tell, and they're all riffs on these seven specific um, concepts. So, so yeah, um, that's something we should talk about. But anyway, I've been playing those two games, and then I'm getting ready to finally, finally crack open. Uh, uh, near Automata, so um, I'm gonna crack it open. I've had it for a while. I just know that if I once I start playing it, I'm probably not gonna play anything else. So, um, and then a game that I'm going to try is I've been hearing really good stuff about this indie game. I've been trying to support indie care indie, indie uh, creators. So one of the games that I've been wanting to pick up, and I've and I'm probably gonna pick it up after we uh, after we close out, is a uh, Cosmic Star Heroin. That's uh, uh yeah. I'm probably gonna pick that up. Sci-fi, uh, sci-fi RPG, uh, on out on various. It's it's an indie game that came out. So yeah, it's on, fun. Uh, you know, I like play. my RPGs. Yeah, no, I I already bought that game. I just haven't played it yet. So I, I've kind of checked checked that game out last couple PlayStation experiences. But it's by a company called Zboid mm -hmm. Games on there and uh all they do is like you know riffs on uh, old school 16-bit and 8-bit rpgs on there i think they did um some games on xbox live indie marketplace previously and also uh they had games out on steam of course like call of cthulhu um not call of cthulhu it's, it's something dealing with cthulhu i'm yeah, sorry cthulhu, i'm not gonna like cthulhu even... saves the world cthulhu. yeah there you go yeah there you go yeah so yeah, but the, you know, I follow the guy on Twitter, on there, and um, I've been following this game because it's like almost like a homage to like a 16-bit RPG, like Fantasy yep. Star. It has a yeah. female protagonist as as the main character. Um, it's selling very well on PlayStation 4 on there. I'm also going to have a Vita version coming out pretty soon. So uh, I'll definitely probably be joining you and trying to get that game onto my plate. Yeah. So. Anything, anything that says it takes inspiration from Chrono Trigger, I'm like, okay, let's try this. 
So yes. All right, Joe, rounding us out. What games have you been playing? Well, I've been playing um, overtime for this last week, but uh, um, pretty much haven't had <laughs> your overtime <laughs> pays well. So <laughs> yes, overtime, overtime. Uh, I could kind of talk about the games we played last week when you were in town, and that would include. Uh, Viking Wolves of Midgard, uh, and you probably have played more than me, but uh, I love isometric loot games like Diablo. Oh my and God. So this is this he is does. right in in the wheelhouse. It is a two player game, so I'm looking forward to playing a two player with you at some point. Um, <laughs> having that, me, but, having uh, me drag dragging me around the field trying to like destroy everything, <laughs> every nook and cranny. Just like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. You, when we play those type of games, oh, I, I got to cover, uncover this black area. Hold on. Yep. Like, you know, it's like, I need I my value, to. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and we also played uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris for a little bit. Uh, that is a uh, was actually com- pretty fun. Yeah, it's a combination of Puyo Puyo, which uh, has been out in the U.S. under different names like uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on the Genesis. It came out as Kirby's um, Avalanche on Super Nintendo. So they never bothered to support this game for whatever reason, because, you know, you know, back in the day, you think you'd buy a game called Puyo Puyo? I don't think so. So they had to come up with different skins and that kind of thing. But Puyo Puyo is a fun game. It's a puzzle game. It's involves these various colored beans which i know with you co- being colorblind is not exactly the greatest thing for you desmond but uh um it's quite enjoyable i do like do like me some tetris so um we also fired up uh 80k collection and uh 80k for you guys that are not knowing us um alpha I can't even remember what the D stands for. Uh, basically, this is a company that uh, um, did a lot of Neo Geo games, and this is a compilation of all their titles that came out on Neo Geo. And uh, that includes such hot hits as Ninja Combat, Ninja Commando, um, Aggressors of Dark Combat. I believe there's one other game on the collection. Oh, yeah, Ninja... Um, I think not Ninja Warriors. It's called something else. Ninja Masters. There you go. You gotta throw every... Uh, generic description in the book <laughs> on there. So we happened to play Ninja Commando, which I never played, but it was a top-down shooter with uh, uh, very generic ninjas. It was very 90s-ish, and we just had a blast. It was a quarter hog. Just kind of quarter hog, yes, especially towards the end. But uh, you, you're, you're a time-traveling ninja going to all sorts of different uh, motifs. So dinosaurs... <laughs> Egypt, uh, far east, yeah, Egypt, yeah, Tutankhamun, like you know, fighting these big Egyptian heads. So and the main protagonist is a guy that's like Donald Trump. It's hilarious. Yes, it's like, <laughs> it was like they. Oh, they it's, it's timely. It really it was. was very timely. It yes. was scary, actually. It's like a blonde-haired businessman with like a freaking like spiky hair. It was just looked just with his expression was just like an angry Donald Trump. It was hilarious. Yeah, the game's all in Japanese, so of course, you know, we're not even bothered because even if it wasn't English, <laughs> we, we no didn't idea. care. Yeah, we we're making our own plot, you know. It's like, oh damn, Donald Trump's going going crazy. So, so sorry to if you do enjoy or um, I'm not trying to disparage President Trump. President Trump is our leader, and, <laughs> <laughs> and if he, if he I, went, I know if he I'm a, time. I am a. Yes. To, 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 to get elected, that's his prerogative, okay? Yes, of course, yes. So if you, if you happen to, have to be a stock... DLC. 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, there you go. Cha-ching. <laughs> so, and the other other thing I was playing over the weekend, um, I just bought a 4K TV, and I uh, was firing it up. I have not played my PC in a while. One of the games on my Steam backlog that I've been meaning to get to is a little game called Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, which is a um, turn-based RPG from uh, Nihon Falcon on there. It was previously uh, published in the U.S. on the PSP of all consoles, but they uh, translated this thing in English and had a chance to release it. It took them, I think, three years to translate the whole game because the game was huge on there uh, to be able to bring it out. And and so I had the chance to fire up my PC for the first time in a while because I was reconnecting all my systems to my new um, TV, just make sure they all were connected properly. And uh, it was just really good. I fired it up because the system requirements on that are not as... Um, Rigid is like maybe playing a more modern game. Game cam I, on the PC, I think, three or four years ago. Played in 4K resolution. You know, look wonderful. Uh, game is wonderful. I'm going to try to dedicate more time to play it. Um, great music. And, you know, hopefully with my backlog and everything, I still am going to be dedicated to play that. Keep trying it. Um, music's great. Combat's great. So I'll definitely have more to say about it in the weeks to come also throughout my week toiling away working my extra 20 hours this week um i did have dragon quest 8 the still uh, good old standby on the 3ds so i'm still uh playing through that um a lot of my time i've gotten kind of addicted to the um mode where you're able to have to go into the field and, and take photos of various items and so um, one of the things that was on my little bucket list is to uh, bring out this, uh, take a picture of this particular character that pops out after you defeat like uh, t um, 30 mummy boys. There's this one particular enemy called the mummy boy. It's just like some random guy mummy. And so after you defeat 30 mummy boys, then this multicolored rainbow mummy comes out, and I have to take a photo of it to get a particular reward. So, you know, you know, Mr. Minmax over here, Mr. Obsessive Compulsive, I have to go down my list and take every photo of everything in the game because that just extends the gameplay for me or whatever. But uh, c'est la vie on that. But I did finish that finally. I got the picture of my multicolored mummy, in fact, last night. So... So that's been you know, my maximizing your gaming dollar, sir. There's you nothing know wrong it. with that. Of course. So you're the food max of gaming. Food Maximize max. your. <laughs> so that's been my week, though. So cool. It's awesome. Awesome. So we're going to round this out with the drop. So we're going to let you folks mm. know what's coming out this coming week. And uh, Trader Joe, why don't you to take this section for us, brother? Oh, of course, yes. Uh, there's quite a few interesting things coming out next week, and that will include uh, Akiba's Beat on PS4. That's a sequel to Akiba Strip on there. If you don't know what that game is, Akiba's Beat is basically based out of uh, Tokyo and Akihabara and uh, Wacky Adventures galore on that. Uh, I know you enjoyed the last one quite a bit, right, Kevin? Yes, I did. It was an awesome game. Awesome action RPG. Yeah. And so just imagine every trope, a lot of uh, what, waifus and uh, you know, going on. And uh, the premise of the previous game is that you had to beat 
someone enough to expose them and take their clothes off so they would get, get exposed in the sun so they could what were they burning up or what were they doing? They would return to their normal cells. There, there's this entity that is taking control of them. And don't let the aspect that you're stripping people, hence the name Akiba Strip, uh, deter you. It is not pervy at all. It, it is handled in a very humorous uh, and actually mechanically uh, addicting way. Uh, you can you can do combos <laughs> as you beat people up and take their clothes off. It, it, it it's awesome. It's really yeah. Cool. So as far as the sequel, I don't know if it's going to riff on that same type of gameplay, but uh, I'm sure you probably pick it up pretty soon, if not to next week, right, Kevin? I'll I'll definitely be getting it. Yeah, I already have a pre-order. There was like a uh, price mistake at Walmart.com. They had it down for thirty bucks. So, <laughs> so you know, I got that pre-order, and in fact, it'll, it'll arrive at my local Walmart probably five to seven days after it comes out on Tuesday. So, with free in-store pickup. So, so. <laughs> And other games coming out this next week, uh, this game called The Surge, which is uh, developed by this team called Deck 13 on there. Uh, they're the ones that previously released uh, Lords of the Fallen, which is like a Dark Souls-esque game that came out. You know, I don't know if any of you guys have played it. I have not played Lords of the Fallen. I know you have, Des, but uh, I enjoyed this it. game... It yeah, this game is supposed to be an action RPG. It has Dark Soul aspects, but it looks like it has some shooter aspects too as well on there. And there's some aspects of loot. Um, players can control what items they loot from defeated enemies by targeting specific body parts. The part dismembered will determine which piece of equipment is looted. So that this will be the schematic corresponding to the sliced armor part. So basically, if you want to uh, fight a particular enemy, if you want, if you're looking to farm his, like, say, leg, guess what? You take your chainsaw out, you cut off his leg, and that's the part you get. So it <laughs> sounds... <laughs> pretty interesting i have it's kind of gone under the radar for me but uh, it's like i've been hearing some buzz about it a little bit especially for people that enjoy the uh souls genre and i could consider that a genre now on that but that's going to be out both on playstation 4 uh xbox one and also on pc um if you do have a ps4 pro you're able to pick and choose between running it at 4K 30 frames a second or at 1080Ps, which are on the full 60 frames a second if you do happen to own a pro. So on there. So get a chance to look at that. Other games coming out this next week include Farpoint for PlayStation VR. I have not had a chance to play that game yet, but this is like the one that's been kind of held up in high esteem from Sony on that um they don't have anything else on their plate as far as vr that is like close to what we would call triple a and so i'm kind of curious how the reviews are going to be on this i know um talking about people's impressions as far as what i've heard about that uh, you do not have free movement when you play this game that you're still like you know kind of um, double clicking to move forward or like, you know, moving back and forth. So it doesn't have as free movement as a normal 3D action game would. But, you know, being in VR, I, I don't want to want to lose my cookies either. So <laughs> on it, but I'm curious about it. It does come with the gun attachment that you could attach the um, PlayStation Move controller. And um curious about that as well. Any curiosity on you guys? As I know, PlayStation VR was something where last 
uh, fall, I was like dead red, like going to buy one. And I kind of got off that cliff and, and now I'm like, barely interested in the, in the system anymore. And I'm not sure if I'm ever going to commit to it. Do you, you think that there's a viable option for PlayStation VR going forward? I mean, I've seen them in stock everywhere too, so... Yeah, I think there's a viable there's a viable option for VR in general. Unfortunately, it's going to have to wait until the price dips considerably and the tech becomes like basically equivalent to wearing a pair of glasses. That that's I think when we'll see the mass adoption of it. Uh for me personally, I can't use VR uh because I wear prescription glasses and I get migraines just simply looking at uh, like passive 3D content on my mom's TV, for example. Uh, so this type of thing uh, really doesn't work well with my with the type of uh, vision issues that I have. But I've been hearing on other podcasts uh, some folks that have actually had a chance to play Farpoint. Uh, it's being touted by some as the first uh VR experience at least for PlayStation VR that kind of justifies the price. Uh if you're into games kind of like uh who was that Namco arcade game where you were the you were uh it was a gun game and you could time dunk, crisis time time crisis. Yeah. It's got a time crisis feel to it. Uh and a lot of people have been saying that this is the first uh this is why I bought a PSVR, you know, kind of a combination of graphics and, and uh, play mechanics, kind of the trying, you know, as best as they can get it for PSVR, kind of a good justification for the unit. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious about it, but not to spend $400 just yet on it. No, so, no, and no. then also other games coming out this next week. Injustice 2, of course, you know, we're kind of mentioning just in passing. I'm not going to pick this one up. Uh, any of you guys looking to buy this game or in, any interest in it whatsoever? I'm a huge comic book fan, but I just, I never really, I don't know what it is about the fighting controls of like Mortal Kombat-esque games. I never got into it. I never got into it. I I played the first Injustice because it's so uh, steeped in DC comic book goodness, but again, I just could not get into the gameplay. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I would just, I would read the comic books <laughs> that inspire mm. it, but I'm most likely going to pass on this, unfortunately. Or, yeah. or, or I might get it when it's super cheap. Redbox. That'd be a, like, it screams Redbox to me. So. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Des. I'm a quarter circle, half circle guy. Uh, forward, back, up, down, left, left, down, down does not work for me. And that's uh, Mortal Kombat's typical uh, control scheme. So uh, it looks fun. I've I would like to play it, but that that Mortal Kombat control scheme has never worked for me at all. No, nah, not me either. Me either. Mortal Kombat was always just like a mor uh, morbid curiosity. It's like, you know, getting your EGM out and try to do fatalities for every character kind of thing, <laughs> you know, or at the arcade. I had friends that played Mortal Kombat to death, but uh, never got its hooks in me, you know. I'd probably just rather go play Time Killers or something, so... <laughs> Uh, 
And other game of note to come out next week, last but not least, uh, Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valencia is coming out for 3DS uh, this Friday on May 19th on there. Um, I am a Fire Emblem fan, but I have severe backlog of Fire Emblem games that I have not played yet. Of course, I have the special edition pre-ordered, and I'll be picking that up just because I'm just a completionist. I am a collector. I am a a hog of all good things that are gaming. <laughs> uh, and so I'll be hopefully trying to check that out. I, you know, I'm thinking this is a, like a version of a Super Famicom game, uh, Fire Emblem game that came out that's coming out for the 3DS. It's, it's the last 3DS Fire Emblem game too. Uh, that's been hinted at. Uh, DLC does cost up to 40 bucks, I think, or 45, I think, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I'll be definitely getting the collector's edition and hopefully putting that on my my short list to play soon, hopefully. so. Nice, nice. So that's going to wrap it up for the deals. Um, the, well, I'm sorry. The drop. Edit. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for the drop, and uh, that's going to wrap it up for this premiere episode of The Gaming Vessels. Uh, Dez, Joe, do any of you have any shout-outs you want to put on? Go ahead, Joe. No, just like to shout-out you two. I know we've been uh, working on getting this started, getting going, and, and we finally have did it. We've done it. It's getting good. So um, shout-out to... Alberco, Surgeon Fire, everyone we played on uh, GHR Game Night, of course. Uh, we already shouted out all of our friends at GHR, too, as well. So that's pretty much my piece. So, Yeah, I want to shout out our partners for, a lot of, you know, being there and sticking, sticking, you know, with us because we are, you know, love our video games and they leave us alone while we're playing. So <laughs> thank you. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we wouldn't have this show without your support. So please, please, please uh, respond. Uh, let us know. Uh, Joe, how can they contact us if they want to send us um, emails? You could go ahead and, and contact us on Twitter. We are at uh, Gaming Vessels on Twitter. You could also uh, send us email. Our email is set up as gamingvessels at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to be setting up a Tumblr account with quickness sometime this weekend. So we'll have more information about that next week on there along. I know Kevin, you said you wanted to set up a discord server for people to contact and interact with us. Yes. We'll be worried. I'll be working on that as well. Yeah. So, so please, please, you know, keep, keep, uh, you know, keep listening and looking for us. We'll be here. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And to wrap things up, I am showing up 71 that's Dez, that's Trader Joe, and thank you for listening to the premiere episode of Game of Gaming Vessels. We're done. We will see you next week, y'all. Peace.